you have your Bibles, let's open up to Ezekiel chapter 13. Ezekiel chapter 13. Whether you're looking at God's Word on an app or whether you're looking on your own Bible that you brought, there are also Bibles that are in the pews in front of you. I do not know what page number this is. And some of you are like, Ezekiel, like you're like, I, I visited on the day where you're talking about Ezekiel. Like, that's what we're doing in this season. And uh, as we do that, what we do is we're going to find Ezekiel chapter 13. And once you find that passage, if you would, in honor of God and his word, let's stand together as I read this passage. Ezekiel chapter 13. Ezekiel chapter 13. We're going to begin in verse 1, and we're going to read through the chapter. So let's open our ears and hear the word. If it's helpful to follow along in your Bible, that's great. If it's helpful to just close your eyes and hear the word of the Lord, that's also great. That's the way that probably most people throughout all of history heard the Bible, is just hearing it read aloud. So let's hear from God and his word this morning. Ezekiel 13:1. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who are prophesying, and say to those who prophesy from their own hearts, hear the word of the Lord, thus says the Lord God, woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. Your prophets have been like jackals among the ruins, O Israel. You have not gone up into the breaches or built up a wall for the house of Israel that it might stand in battle in the day of the Lord. They have seen false visions and lying divinations. They say, declares the Lord when the Lord has not sent them. And yet they expect him to fulfill their word. Have you not seen a false vision and uttered a lying divination whenever you have said, declares the Lord, although I have not spoken. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you've uttered falsehood and seen lying visions, therefore, behold, I'm against you, declares the Lord. My hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and give lying divinations. They shall not be in the council of my people, nor be enrolled in the register of the house of Israel, nor shall they enter the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord God, precisely because they have misled my people, saying, peace when there is no peace and because the people when the people build a wall these prophets smear it with whitewash they say to those who smear it with whitewash that it shall fall there will be a deluge of rain and and you O great hailstones will fall and a stormy wind break out and when the wall falls it will not will it not be said among you where is the coating with which you smeared it therefore thus says the lord god I will make a stormy wind break out in my wrath, and there shall be a deluge of rain in my anger, and great hailstones in wrath to make a full end. And I will break down the wall that you have smeared with whitewash, and bring it down to the ground, so that its foundation will be laid bare. When it falls, you shall perish in the midst of it. You shall know that I am the Lord. Thus I will spend my wrath upon the wall and upon those who have smeared it with whitewash, and I say to you, The wall is no more, nor those who smeared it. The prophets of Israel who prophesied concerning Jerusalem saw visions of peace for her when there was no peace, declares the Lord God. And you, son of man, set your face against the daughters of your people who prophesy out of their own minds. Prophesy against them and say, thus says the Lord God, woe to the women who sow 
magic bands upon all wrists, and make veils for heads of persons of every stature in the hunt for souls. Will you hunt down souls belonging to my people and keep your own souls alive? You have profaned me among my people for handfuls of barley and pieces of bread, putting to death souls who should not die and keeping alive souls who should not live by your lying to my people who listen to lies. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I'm against your magic bands which you hunt the souls like birds. I will tear them from your arms and I'll let the souls of whom you hunt go free the souls like birds. Your veils also I will tear off and deliver my people out of your hand. They shall be no more in your hand as prey and you shall know that I am the Lord because you have disheartened the righteous falsely although I have not grieved him and you have encouraged the wicked that he should not turn from his evil way to save his life. Therefore, you shall no more see false visions or practice divination. I will deliver my people out of your hand and you shall know that I am the Lord. This is God's word. Amen and amen. You may take a seat. Uh, The name Harold Camping will always be associated with two dates. May 21st of 2011 and October 21st of 2011. Some of you might not even know the name Harold Camping. Um, I'll talk about why this name means something to me. Um, But in 2005, Camping made the prediction that the rapture of the followers of Jesus would occur on May 21st, 2011, 10 years ago. And the ensuing five months between that and the second date would involve fire, brimstone, plagues on earth. And maybe he only missed it by a decade. Fire, plagues, okay. I'm back, everybody. We can laugh at bad jokes again. I don't know what Jim brought. Maybe he brought some good jokes, and it ruined your palate for my bad humor. Anyway, all that to say, he then said that the ultimate final destruction of the world would occur on October 21st, 2011. And I recall this because I was pastoring, I was was a pastor at a church in Irvine. I was doing a PhD in New Testament And people would sometimes ask me about this. Between 2005 and 2011 is is a little bit of time to talk about, like, how's he doing? Is this, what do you think about this? He's predicting the end of the world. But I also recall this because Harold Camping was the grandfather of one of my best friends. And to be able to watch all of this play out in the context of not only watching a national audience talk about it, but also hearing my friend talk about what this means for his family and the various rifts that developed between them, this heartbreaking story to follow from the perspective of family and, the, and this sort, these sort of rifts. But camping was an authentic, false prophet. And I say that with all love to my friend, and he would say that as well. Camping was a false prophet. We know this because he spoke in the name of the Lord. He spoke in the name of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. And we also know that what he predicted 
did not come to pass. It is, it's the standard. If you go to Deuteronomy chapter 18 and they ask, how do you know if a prophet is accurate or not? The way you know a prophet is accurate is if a prophet makes a prediction and it doesn't come true, then it's a false prophet. And Camping put himself on record. Well, I've got I to gotta hand it to him at least. He put himself on record, right? Some people won't even do that. They'll just kind of like, but he actually put himself on record on a couple of occasions. There were a couple of predictions before that as well. You might also add that he raised millions of dollars for his radio ministry on the prediction. It should be noted, it should be noted that Camping later recanted four months after his prediction failed. In a letter to his supporters, he stated that his attempt to predict a date was, quote, sinful. And his critics were right in emphasizing the words of Matthew 24, 36, that no one knows the day or hour. He added that he was now searching his Bible even more fervently, not to find dates, but to be more faithful in his understanding. died in December of 2013. I suppose the Lord will have to sort out the puzzle of Harold Camping. It's not my job to sort that out. The Lord will have to sort out Harold Camping. A man who misled many, did so publicly, made a modest profit off of it, but who ultimately saw the error of his ways. The Lord's going to have to sort that out. But for us, we are in the book of Ezekiel. And in the book of Ezekiel, we come to a place where Ezekiel starts to talk about the false prophets that populate the nation of Israel in their various phases of exile. We resume our work in Ezekiel this week. You might be saying, I had a nice little, uh, little respite while Jim was up here. I had a nice little respite as, as Connor was drawing near to the Lord. But pastor's going to get mad now for a few more weeks because we're in Ezekiel. I, I, I want to I give us a little bit this idea that um, Ezekiel was a prophet. We've talked about this. A prophet in the nation of, his, of, of the history of Israel, the history of the nation of Israel, at a very low point in their history. He's come at the end of a long stretch of infidelity, of idolatry, of injustice, and when Yahweh had made a covenant, I will be your God and you will be my people, that the people of Israel did not hold up to their end of that bargain. And Ezekiel finds himself in, this, in the middle of this three-stage exile that God was going to, God was the God of this people, but God was going to take his people out of their land because God could not allow this sort of injustice, this infidelity, this evil to go on, that he would take them out of their land, that there would be three, three exiles. Daniel would come first, Ezekiel came second, and Ezekiel prophesies this first part of Ezekiel is right between the second and third exile. And Ezekiel, I, I hate to break it to you, but most of Ezekiel is bad news. Ezekiel is, not, is a prophet of woe. And God, in this process, he called Ezekiel in the middle of that exile. And the first half are, are negative, and that, that could be an understatement. They were crushing these are people who had lost their homes, their families, and now, he's, and now they're in exile by this, you know, in this refugee camp, and Ezekiel is still prophesying doom. God shows up to Ezekiel and by an irrigation 
refugee camp in Babylon shows up and tells Ezekiel, say this, you're going to be a prophet. And so the first half is negative, and we've got a couple more weeks of that. We're going to see a turn. We're going to see a turn. The week before Thanksgiving, we're going to see a turn. Something happens that makes Ezekiel stop giving the bad news, and God says, all right, Ezekiel, it's time to turn it up to 11 on good news. And we're going to see that as we move, we're going to hit Thanksgiving, and then we're going to go in Advent season, and when the new year hits, we're going to talk about the good news, the gospel according to Ezekiel. So hang on for a couple more weeks. Pastor's got to be mad for a couple more weeks, and then we're going to get into the good news and what God is doing as he turns this message of Ezekiel. But today, we find that God has moved Ezekiel to give his lament, to give his warning, to turn his attention to the false prophets, to the false prophets. I want to say some comments about this passage and also about our culture today and the idea of what is a false prophet and how how do we walk through a world in which there may or may not be false prophets among us or around us. You guys with me this morning? All right, that's a little bit of an introduction, so thank you so much for bearing with that. So let's just ask this question. What is a prophet? What is a prophet? And as as you read scripture, Probably the one thing that stands out is that a prophet is someone who speaks on behalf of God. Okay, where does this come from? It doesn't come from the patriarchs. God God speaks to Abraham. It actually comes from the Exodus. When, When Moses goes to Mount Sinai and God shows up, and God shows up in this cloud on the mountain, there's thunder and lightning and everything, and God starts speaking, you know what the people say? You know what the people say? It's so, it's so amazingly like terrifying when God shows up and awe-striking that the people, they beg that, no, that God stop speaking. Send instead a representative that can speak on your behalf. And God says, okay, I'm going to send Moses. And Moses becomes the first prophet. Moses is the one who God empowers, who God calls, who God reveals himself to, to say, I'm going to speak to my people through Moses the prophet. And Moses, at the end of Deuteronomy, God says, hey, throughout your history, I'm, I might raise up more people among you that I'm going to use to speak to you, a prophet, I might raise up prophets here and and there. Maybe not all the time will you have a prophet among you, but there will be times where I will raise up someone because if I speak to you face to face, it it could destroy you, but if I send a prophet, a prophet can plead on my behalf. That's what a prophet is. A prophet is one, someone who speaks on behalf of God. And so when, just as we start, the fundamental thing that we're talking about, what Ezekiel is referencing here, is what do you do when someone says, God told me to tell you? What do you do? How does that go? What do we do? What do we do today? I mean, right now, even as I say that, some of you are like, well, that's just a bunch of, you know, like, I already know what I think about that. 
But the question, but look, you're here and I'm talking to you and we have this understanding that like I'm going to say something that God might be saying out of his scripture, right? And that's why even as I'm preaching this message, I'm like, well, geez, this is a rough profession that I'm in. You stand up here and you say, thus saith the Lord, and there's a, there's a lot that's on that, right? So let me just talk a little bit about this idea that this, this, this notion of, of a false prophet. So the first thing that we're going to see is that false prophets, because if a real prophet is someone who speaks on behalf of God, is commissioned by God, what we're going to see is that false prophets, the first thing is this, is that false prophets follow themselves and not the Spirit of God. Look at 13.1. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who are prophesying and say to those, listen to this, who prophesy from their own hearts. They don't receive a revelation of God. They're prophesying from their own hearts. Look down in verse 13. Woe to foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. We also see later on what it says, the, the women who prophesy, they prophesy in verse 17, they prophesy out of their own minds. And the first thing that we see when God raises up a prophet, God will speak to the prophet. God will give a vision to the prophet. God will, will give a word to the prophets. These prophets prophesy of their own heart or of their own spirit or of their own mind. They've seen nothing. Not the spirit of God, but they follow themselves. That's the first thing. Second thing is this, false prophets... False prophets have bad visions and false predictions. Look at 13.6. They have seen false visions and lying divinations. And here's what it says. They say, they say, declares the Lord when the Lord has not sent them. In other words, kind of the, the natural, what prophets say, when prophets show up, they'll say, thus saith the Lord, if they speak King James English. Or they'll say, this is what the Lord says. This is what Yahweh says. This is what the Lord declares. But God has not sent them. It says, have you seen a false vision and uttered a lying divination whenever you have said, declares the Lord, though I have not spoken. God has not sent them, and God has not spoken to them, and yet they say, this is what God says. False visions and lying divinations. Look at 13.8. Therefore, thus says the Lord God. And then listen to Ezekiel. Ezekiel says, thus says the Lord God. I'll tell you what God is going to say. Because you've uttered falsehood and seen lying visions, therefore, behold, I am against you, declares the Lord God. Now, a couple things. Let me just say a couple things about, you, you, we'll talk about false prophets, but I want to say what's the difference between a false teacher and a false prophet? You're like, well, aren't they the same thing? And they're not the same thing, okay? When we talk about false teachers, okay, what, what someone who teaches handles timeless truth. So a false teacher 
Okay, a false teacher, we read a lot about false teachers in the New Testament. They mishandle the timeless truth, particularly about who Jesus is. So they'll say, like, Jesus wasn't human, or Jesus isn't divine, or, or Jesus didn't come from God, or Jesus didn't die, or Jesus didn't raise up. These are all truths that are timeless. And so this idea that, that a false teacher will get something like that, a timeless truth, like the fact that God is the God of all things, or that God created heaven and earth, or that God created physical and spiritual. There are some teachers that would say, God only created spiritual, physical's bad. Like, that's a false teacher. That's a bad, that's bad teaching. That's bad theology, right? That's a false teacher. That's someone who gets timeless truth wrong. And that's a little different from a false prophet. I'm not, now, there are false prophets who could be false teachers, okay? But not every false prophet is a false teacher. As a matter of fact, um, false prophets might be teaching true things, but they mishandle the cultural moment. Okay, here's the, here's the difference. False teachers teach false things. False prophets mishandle the cultural moment that they are in. They may say true things, but they say them at the wrong time. So for example, so in this case, if, you, if we look at our passage, look at 13.10. Precisely because they have misled my people, they have said, shalom, peace, when there is no peace. Now, here's the thing about these false prophets. Look, shalom, peace. Is God a God of shalom? Look, you read the Bible, yes. Everybody would say amen and amen. God is a God of peace, of wholeness. But Ezekiel is at a time when God, when the time for shalom has run out. We talked, we talked last time I was in the pulpit, we talked about this idea that that God is merciful and gracious and just and forgiving. And if you, it, that's true about who God is until he isn't. God is merciful and gracious and just, and, and you could say that, and maybe these prophets were saying, Yahweh, Yahweh, full, abounding in mercy, abounding in loving kindness, peace. But there has been prolonged disobedience, prolonged idolatry. God is gracious and patience, and that is theologically true. That's timeless truth. Until the cup fills up. And there's a time to declare war and stop the spread of evil. There's a time for diplomacy, and there's a time for war. We talked about this the last time I was here, Neville Chamberlain and Winston Churchill that Neville Chamberlain goes to try to be diplomatic with Hitler, and he comes back saying, peace in our time. And he says, peace when there is no peace. The next day, Hitler invades Hungary. Peace in our time. There's a time for diplomacy. There, Chamberlain says, peace in our time, and Churchill says, our policy is to wage war. Those are two people in the same month, in the same month, who read the cultural moment entirely differently, right? So a false prophet, yes, Yahweh is gracious and merciful, 
But in this moment, in the cultural moment that Ezekiel is called into, it is not the time to proclaim peace. God is not coming in peace. God is coming in judgment. And a false prophet, again, I want to make this clear, a false prophet may not be a false teacher. They might get timeless truth correctly, but they misread the cultural moment. Prophets, in a lot of ways, are about predicting the future, but they're also about proclaiming, what do we do in this present cultural moment that we're in? And we find, I mean, look, we're just we find ourselves in a moment, a cultural moment in, in our world, in the evangelical church, in which there are many voices saying there are many things that we need to do. There are many churches that are emphasizing many different things. The question is, what do we do in this cultural moment? And that's where, that's where we're looking for We're looking for someone who can speak on behalf of God that has a knowledge of their time, a knowledge of the scriptures, and can guide us into a true, a faithful expression in this cultural moment. A false prophet will lead us into activity and action in this cultural moment that will destroy us. And so the question is, true prophet, false prophet, you'll see even in scripture that there's there's lots of discussion like a true prophet it might be hated might be loved might might be like it might be might go well it might not go well but a true prophet is one who can read the cultural moment and say this is the path of faithfulness into this cultural moment so that a little bit of a difference between a false teacher and a false prophet does that make sense okay i hope it does i hope it does so I don't want to be either, <laughs> right? But, but we do have these moments where we have to say, what is God asking of us? What does it mean to be faithful in this cultural moment? I think through COVID, through the last summer, with all of the, the, the racial strife, through all of the, the, the COVID issues, and even ongoing COVID restrictions, like what does it mean, all the politicization through, a, through an election, The idea of what does it mean to be faithful in this cultural moment, that's the work of a prophet. Teachers can teach timeless truth, but the functionality of a prophet, and we read in the New Testament that God has given us um, prophets and apostles and pastors and teachers. There's different functions and all of that, but the function of a prophet is to say, this is the path of faithfulness, thus saith the Lord in this moment. Okay. Do you know of anyone like that? And I'm not, I'm not talking about just in this room because we, we live in a world where there's all kinds of news feeds. Do you know of anybody who's claiming, thus saith the Lord? Right? If, if they're claiming this is the path of faithfulness in this season, they are essentially claiming to be a prophet or the function of a prophet. Okay? Now, it's a little different because we, we have God's word, we have God's word, okay? and most people are talking about a faithful interpretation of God's word. There might be some people who are saying, I've received a direct word from the Lord, and this is the path of faithfulness. And, and in some ways, that would be the path of a prophet. That would be the function of a prophet. Okay? And I, I just want us to reflect a little bit on this because we live, we live, we live in a time where there is a cacophony of prophets, 
right? Like if, if I wanted to confuse the church, if I was the devil, not say I am, I know it's Halloween, I'm not going to dress up like the devil, okay? But if I wanted to confuse the church, you know what I would do? I would find 10,000 people with 10,000 grievances and I'd give them 10,000 bullhorns. And that's the world we live in right now. PETA just said, in baseball, we have to change the name of the bullpen. I don't know if any story could make me more angry. I mean, I, think, I suppose there are. There are stories, but I'm like, I like baseball. Don't change the name. You can't tell me to change the name. Like, talk about, talk about somebody who has a bullhorn. Like, is that important? Like, is that important? If I wanted to confuse the church, I would just send out 10,000 people just talking about semi-important things. And what, what Ezekiel has is, and now Ezekiel doesn't live in that, in that world, but he does have people that are saying, hey, it's going to be okay, everybody. Just cool your jets. Yahweh, Yahweh, faithful and true. Like, we're, he's going to be good. Peace. Shalom. And Ezekiel's like, there's no peace. There's no peace here. What are you talking about? And not only are you doing this, but you're hurting people. Look at what it says. It says, in, uh, it says they, they say peace that, uh, when there is no peace. And because, this is verse 10, 13, 10. And because when the people build a wall, the prophets smear it with whitewash. The, the walls that are supposed to protect the city. That rather than building a really good wall, they just kind of put some stones up there, like haphazardly, and then the prophets come along, and what he says is, when you say peace, peace, all you're doing is you're smearing this useless plaster on poorly built walls. And all all that needs to happen is you just need a really strong wind to come through, and the wall's going to fall, but it's going to look super pretty. Finishing off a poorly constructed wall with plaster that cannot hold it together. Their cries of peace keep people from preparing for the judgment to come. Preparing to reorient, to repent. The cry of peace does not give the opportunity for people to change their ways towards God. To fundamentally, like if you're saying, if somebody's facing away from God and you say, peace, it's all good. The call is to reorient. And when you just yell peace, there's no opportunity to reorient. They have not understood the storm. Just to, there's a lot more things to say in this passage. I mean, there's like women who are like putting these bands on people, these magical amulets, and we don't even have time to get into it. And I wish... I mean, it's kind of interesting, but nobody really knows what it is, but it's, there's a really interesting scholarly discussion about what these women are doing with cushions. and all. Anyway, forget it. All right, forget that. It's bad. It's bad. It's unimportant. <laughs> See, this is my false prophet coming out, the academic false prophet. Like, let's just get lost in the weeds on this little thing, and let's not talk about the main thing. Okay. 13.4. Your prophets have been like jackals among the ruins. There's two phrases as we kind of wrap this, this sermon up. I just want to, when we think about a false prophet, what does a false prophet do? A false prophet speaks on, the, on behalf of God. 
says, thus saith the Lord, when God has not sent them. And Ezekiel says, look, your prophets, your false prophets, Israel, have been like jackals among the ruins. What? We don't, have, we don't have a lot of jackals among here. We don't have a lot of ruins. I walked through a bunch of ruins. Like, I spent 12 days walking through ruins. There's, and there, there's a lot of things that came to me, and I'll talk at the end about some of the things that just kind of, maybe, uh, hopefully, I, a prophetic word, I, I don't know. But it's something that I feel like God impressed something on me while I was doing that. But let me just talk about jackals among the ruins. We don't have jackals. We've got a dog named Buddy. He's not a jackal. Um, jackals among the ruins. Jackals go into the ruins. The dogs go into the ruins not to rebuild. They don't go into the ruins to like get the wall ready like to, 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 fa- to, to fend off invaders. What do jackals go into the ruins to do? Scavenge. To eat. To eat the dead. And if somebody's not dead, they'll kill them. They benefit from ruin. I think as we are just in this particular cultural moment, and you think about those who benefit from ruin, and the voices in whatever medium it is, whether it's social media or mainstream media or online, that are just proclaiming ruin and anger because they get clicks. And the more clicks you get, the more advertising revenue you get. The more views you get, the more revenue you get. And we start asking the question, who benefits? I'm listening to this podcast about this church up in Seattle that that went down. And one of the questions on the podcast is, who benefits? When you think about a false prophet, what is the benefit? Jackals benefit from ruin. And Ezekiel says, your false prophets are like jackals among the ruins. They don't care if people are prepared for the judgment to come. They don't care. Maybe they're more influential. Maybe they're, they're an influencer. Maybe they, have, maybe they get some money. Maybe they get something out of this. What do they get? The jackals descend on the ruins. The prophets, these prophets are benefiting. They're gaining popularity, influence, income. They're gaining from saying what people maybe want to hear. What does a real prophet do? A real prophet, look at 13.5. He says about the false prophets, you have not gone into the breaches or built up a wall for the house of Israel that it might stand in the day of the Lord. And maybe if you have a translation that says you've not gone into the gap. And this image is that you're in, an, you're in a city with a wall that surrounds it, and if the enemy's laying siege to your city and to your wall, there might be a, a, a space in the wall where they can get in. And what, what God says, what God says a true prophet does is a prophet goes to that hole in the wall and stands there so nobody can get in. They stand in the gap. They stand to say, you cannot pass. These people are more important. We cannot let you in. Stand in the breach. 
And when God calls Ezekiel, he calls him to stand in the breach. And in chapter 22, God says, I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the gap before me in the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. When all this was going down, before Ezekiel's call, God is saying, I look for somebody who could stand in the gap, who could go into that hole in the wall and stand in the breach, and nobody would stand in the breach. There was no prophet. There was no one to warn. It was only false prophets who were like, it's not a bad breach. We'll just whitewash it. Prophets in the gap. Like Moses did in Psalm 106. It says that Moses, when God was angry with the people, that, that, God, that Moses stood up and he stood in the gap and he said, God, don't wait. Have patience. God was looking for someone to stand in that gap. And a true prophet goes into the breaches, stands in the gaps. I, I suppose God is still looking for people to stand in the gap. Might not be the same as Ezekiel. We obviously have God's word. We're, 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 we're be- we benefit from the fact that we have God's word. And even as I stand up here and I say, thus saith the Lord, you have your Bible and you can look in your Bible. Like we invite, we invite you, like the Bereans. The Bereans, they looked, at the Bi- they looked at the scriptures to see what the Apostle Paul was saying is true. And that, we have this little accountability here. And I would just urge you to continue all the voices you hear to measure those things against scripture. And that's why we have community. So that we can determine whether a word is true or false. Ten thousand people with ten thousand grievances and ten thousand bullhorns. Some who speak in the name of the common good, some who speak in the name of God, some who speak in the name of Jesus, right? There's plenty, there's plenty of voices out there. I'll say one thing just about that cacophony of voices and how that relates to my diet. Okay, a little self-report. I didn't eat super awesome when I was in Turkey and Greece. When you travel, you know, hey, I, I'm not looking for any, I, maybe I shouldn't make any excuses, okay? But I need, I need more vegetables. I'm just saying that. Like, I need to cut out the bread, okay? I think it, it'll help. It'll probably help my snoring, like keep that down, okay? It's important. Let's self-report. It's a self-report. Thank you for hearing my self-report, okay? But I know this. When I am eating well, when I'm eating well, and I'm eating, I'm eating a lot of vegetables during the day, I'm drinking a lot of water, okay? When, when, I'm, when I'm eating well, I don't have a lot of bread, I don't have a lot of empty calories, food starts tasting better. Have you guys noticed this? Maybe you're like, I haven't eaten well in a long time. So we're brothers and sisters, okay? Um, but when you eat well, your palate starts to taste things differently. Now look, I ate candy last night. I'm not going to, I mean, that happened. And it might happen today too. Okay? I'm just saying. No joke. Those of you who are disciplined, it's okay. Okay. All right. Self-report over. But the whole thing is this. The more I eat candy, the more it's like, I just need sugar, sweet. Like, I can't taste stuff. I can't taste really good grilled zucchini, or I can't taste really good grilled Brussels sprouts with a lot of bacon in there too. But anyway, all that to say, like it's hard to taste. And I would just say this, when we live in a cacophony, 
10,000 people with 10,000 grievances in 10,000 bullhorns. You know what we need to do? We got to cleanse our palate, man. We got to get, we got to taste the good stuff so that we can begin to filter out the crud. We got to get a diet, we got to get a steady diet that cleanses the palate so that when we hear the cacophony, we can zero in on the voice, the true voices, the true prophets. And I do think in our culture, we do have some true prophets that are talking about, God, in this cultural moment, this is the path we need to take. But if we're just eating everything we find, everything we find, anything that sounds good, anything that gets the juices flowing, we're, just, we're never going to have the, the, the discernment to hear the real voice of the Lord. Look, Satan wants 10,000 grievances with 10,000 bullhorns out there. Our job is to hear the real prophets, those who really have a voice of faithfulness, who know the rhythms and the sensibilities of Jesus because we follow Jesus. We don't follow a political party. We don't follow a cause. We follow Jesus. And we get a steady, you get a steady diet of Jesus, you get a steady diet of the word, you will be able to silence some of those voices. Maybe not all of them, but some of them at least. A little fighting chance for us, right? Silence those voices. Get the Instagram scroll and feed, like, get some of that stuff out of there, right? Your social media, like, turn some things off. You know, cha- just mute somebody. There's a great, there's a great button. There's a great button in Facebook. You can mute somebody for 30 days. Boom! I don't need that voice. Mute. I wish I had that in real life. You could just walk into a room and you're like, mute, mute. Like, we don't have that, right? That's mean. All of you, I would love to hear what all of you have to say. Okay, that, but the idea is we, we have to be discerning. And when someone says, thus saith the Lord, we test it. We don't just say that sounds good to me. And it makes this job sobering. It makes this job sobering. As I was preparing this message, I'm like, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to say, well, this is what the book of Ezekiel means. Thus saith the Lord. And I, I, pray that, I pray that God, I pray that the Spirit would be involved in this and that you would hear what you need to hear and that I would say what I need to say. And there are things in our culture, I think, there are things in our culture, little Little, and I, I don't want to get on a hobby horse up here. I want to talk about what the, what the word says. There are things, there are things that I would like emphases and our emphases in our culture that I'd be like, I don't think that's right or that's right. But I want to stay on God's word. What is God saying? And there might be times where I'm like, hey, I think that this is the particular path of faithfulness that we need to follow as a body. And some of you might say, yeah, I don't think that's true. And that, like, let's have a good conversation about that. But together, we need to find the voices that are going to move us into a path of faithfulness and not just tell us the things that we want to hear that make us feel good or that get our juices flowing. And so Ezekiel stands and he says, all right, I'll stand in the gap. I'll lay on my side for a year, <laughs> you know, and I'll proclaim this, like I'll do all this weird stuff. Isaiah round, round, Isaiah ran around naked for three years. 
right? And he was a prophet? Like, okay. There's, you know, Hosea married, um, you know, a, a prostitute. He was a prophet. Like, there's some weird stuff that the prophets do. But when God says, this is what I want to say, a faithful prophet will say, this is what God says. And we can't turn away from that. So as we, as we go to prayer, let's bow our heads. And just, just for a second, let's just reflect on the various voices that you've been hearing this last week. Just the various voices that have kind of been front and center for you. And I don't know what it is. Maybe, it, again, maybe it's, um, maybe it's on a social media account and there's somebody who posts a lot of stuff. And you're, you're, and you're fascinated with what it says. It's not, that's not a bad thing. You're just interested in what they have to say. But just consider the voices that are around. Maybe it's, maybe it's a, a, a news channel that you listen to or a show. Um, whatever it is, there, there's something that, there's voices around you this week. Just, just take a second and just identify maybe one or two or three of those. And as you're identifying those voices, I just, I, I want you to just imagine that Jesus walks in to your mind. As you've got all these voices up, that Jesus walks in. And I just want to ask, what difference does his presence make? In those streams of voices, what, pre- what difference does the presence of Jesus make? And again, I, I don't want to tell you what to listen to or what not to listen to. I simply want, I want us to imagine that Jesus lives in us. That Jesus is with us. That we have been united with Christ And if that's true, that that makes a difference about what our ears hear and what we put before our face and what we put in our minds. So, Father, I pray. I pray for our our body here. I pray for myself. I pray that you would give us the discernment that we need to mute the voices that are not calling us towards a real faithfulness, towards a a likeness to your sensibilities, towards, towards the likeness of your son. We pray that you would move us towards the true prophets, the real prophets, the people who are speaking on your behalf in good faith. And we ask that you would show us that path. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.